You are listening to a sample of the song Ride to War by eclectic neo-folk band Draugablik from Sweden. This song is an authentic war song from the great Eurasian steppe, sung around the campfires of the Huns and the Goths as they warred against the Romans more than 1,500 years ago. Draugablik sings not only about Norse mythology and the Viking Age, but more intriguingly about the Dark Ages, also known as the Migration Era, a dangerous time in Europe that helped seed the Vikings, who would appear some 500 years later. Draugablik is a Huno-Gothic neo-folk band, and that's in reference to the Scythian-like Huns of Western Asia and the Goths of ancient Scandinavia. The full song is included at the end of this show, with an exclusive audio animatic showing the actual band as painted photographs. To hear more of their music, just click the link in the description or go to draugablick.com slash warspirit. That's D-R-A-U-G-A-B-L-I-K-K dot com slash warspirit. Stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear the entire song. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Joe Roop. First, a couple of announcements. Do you have a business, podcast? Do you produce content, music, art? Are you someone embracing their inner creator? And would you like to share it with our audience by advertising with us? Email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. Check out our website, forbiddenknowledge.news. It's the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network, where you'll find some of your favorite podcasts from our community. Forbidden Knowledge News, always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get our premium content. You also get all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You can also create a free account and get access to everyone's free content, including all our regular shows. Just go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus to sign up. Today, I want to welcome back to the show Joe Roop. He is host of the late night show Lighting the Void. It was a series of out of body experiences and an esoteric curiosity that led him to study and practice the Western mystery traditions. He is now heard frequently on his show and as a guest on other shows discussing the occult, consciousness, sacred sexuality, and astral travel. He continues to move his mission to empower people to become explorers of consciousness. Joe, welcome back. How you doing? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me back. 
It's great to talk with you again, man. Uh, like I said last time, Lighting the Void has been one of my favorite talk shows since before I started uh, Forbidden Knowledge News. And you're one of those OG broadcasters in the community. Still to this day, I'm an avid listener, so I thank you for all the work you're doing there. Uh, now you're back here, and we're going to go deep into some hidden nature of reality and how we're basically creators of our own reality. I want to get into power of manifestation, positive thinking, and some of the other stuff you've been working on. But it's been a little while. What's been going on in Joe's world? Well, I ended up, it's been a long time since I talked to you, so I ended up moving to New York and then Arizona and the Sedona area. So I've been on this kind of elemental excursion, and now I'm here down by the water and uh, Daytona Beach. So but the struggle is real. The struggle continues in the spiritual world. You know how it goes, brother. So um, I uh, been really working on uh, trying to put this idea that the old school uh, magic, the good white magic, so to speak, and the astral travelers like, you know, Monroe and Buellman and all these people. You know, I kept I kept noticing that they were running into the same things. And that took me on a path of like seeing the the. I guess the same, I don't know, the same, they have the same stuff going on, right? So they see the same things, they run into the same things. It's all like the same. So, um, and I kept getting questions from people. Well, how do I do this? Well, how do I do that? How do I do this? And uh, I, uh, I thought, man, I got to I got to help these, I got to help people because people kept asking me about it. So I made these audio guided meditations and um they kind of teach you about how to build your astral body through the old school ceremonial methods but it's all like in the mind too right so that's what i've been uh up doing like it's at joeroop.com and you can go check those out and i'm gonna keep doing those right so there's a whole complicated story behind all this stuff so well let's hear it man i'm all about hearing uh, long complicated stories for sure (laughs) Yeah, what's, yeah, what's um, behind it? Ed, are you going to edit this video? Uh, well, if needed. <laughs> yeah, because I got it. Like, I got, this is emergency call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you. We're good. I just, I just have to make sure everybody's okay. I don't yeah, know. yeah. You know how that is. I got you. Hey, I'm in the middle of an interview. Is he okay? Okay. Well, I'm on... Okay. Well, I'm on with Chris. I'll, can I call you when I get out, out off here? I'm I'm in the middle of an interview with Chris from Forbidden Knowledge News. I thought he was hurt or something. Oh. All right. All right. Bye. Everything good? Yeah. yeah. Well, you never. I'm so sorry, man. I thought it was an emergency. <laughs> no, man. All good. I get it. I understand. So, sure. so, um, where was I? I we were getting into the, the massive story behind all of this and what led you to, to do these uh, meditations and things like that. Yeah. So the what I tried to do was when I laid down, I thought, man, I'm not able to get out of body anymore the way I used to. Right. It's just it's not happening like the way it used to. Now, this was a while back. OK, because I talked to you about this before. So I got really back into like doing my daily rituals. To be honest with you, dude, being a ceremonial magician, it's kind of boring because you do the same. I mean, it is, dude. You do the same stuff. You do the Kabbalistic cross every day. You do your meditations every day. 
you do the pentagram rituals every day. You do your protection. It's like church every day is what it's like. It's like going to church every day. And so people see this fantastic, like colorful thing and they, th they think it's awesome. And it is awesome because you're changing yourself. And so this is what it does, right? The alchemical process isn't about manifesting things outside of you to come into you. It's about alchemically changing your frequency so that those things come to you, right? So the whole idea of ceremonial magic and alchemy is the change of the self, right? So we, when we change ourselves, everything around us changes because we're the many creator gods of the universe. We're the children of whatever created this thing. So when I started doing that, I was like, oh, I started getting back to the vibratory state and everything. And I'm thinking, okay, so some people, now this is my theory and it's working. So some people are, are naturally good at getting out of body. They just are, you know, and then others need to build their astral body. Right. And this is what uh, ceremonial magic, especially the beginning stages, which is perfectly safe, especially the Golden Dawn stuff. It's angel magic. I mean, it's safe, right? This stuff builds your astral body. It centers your energy. It balances you out, builds your astral body. And yeah, you might have a few paranormal experiences here and there, but you know, who cares, right? Like <laughs> You just let it go. So. Now, when you say uh, you might have a few paranormal experiences, let's let's kind of break this down a little bit. Um, for those that aren't familiar, what would you say is the type of, of ceremonial magic that you're practicing every day and, and what kind of the basics is involved with it and how can it manifest, you know, paranormal activity? Well, so uh, first off, we have to learn how to relax, right? Most of us aren't relaxed so that we can focus. And then we do rhythmic breathing. And so our energy is as centered as possible. And then it's really no different than doing a Eurochrist or something like that that you see in church, except we just vibrate certain God names or their names of God. And you don't have to do, uh, you know, I have in the meditations, I have different versions. I have Latin, shamanic, Egyptian, Christian, whatever, right? So it doesn't matter what spiritual background you are. But the point is, is it's just, like doing moving meditation. The idea is to get in line and in tune with the golden ratio of creation. So when we do our rituals, right, and we make a sphere around us and we practice and do things in that sphere, whether physically or astrally in our mind, we're getting in tune with the law of that golden spiral, that circumambulation of creation, as well as you know, adoring the four elements that make us up and protecting ourselves with the four archangels or the four cherubs or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, even the Christians did it with certain saints. Right. So it doesn't, it's really taking the part of you that has faith, right. And vibrating it out to the universe and getting in line with that circumambulating creative force. So that you can get in tune with your authentic self and that frequency. That's, it's just the, it's like Western yoga, right? Mm -hmm. So that's basically what it is. And this, uh, based on my experiences with similar things that you're talking about, I don't uh, actively practice ceremonial magic, but I've had some profound experiences based on um, 
things like manifestation, positive thinking, and applying things uh, to certain sigils at times um, and, and projecting that out. And I've seen the power of it. I've seen it work. I've seen it bring back yeah. profound, great things into my life as long as I was doing it uh, in, in a certain way with good intent. And uh, sure. I, I think that's uh, probably a very important part, right, too, is your, your intent behind what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, if you come into it with doubt, it's going to work. It's all it's going to work regardless, but depending on like how much positive energy you put into it is is how much it's going to work. A lot of people that get into this stuff the way I've gotten into it, and I tell the story all the time, is I didn't grow up programmed positively, you know? I I grew up programmed thinking negatively and thinking all kinds of bad stuff was going to happen and lack mindset. So you know, magic was a, a way of bringing me back to like getting away from all that. Um, but some, like I said, man, some people are just better at it because they already, they're already centered. They're already authentic. They don't have a lot of insecurities. They have the best outlooks on life. Th those kind of people could probably just do meditation and focus on something and make it happen. Um, what you can do with sigil magic. Well, what I'm trying to do specifically is not only allow people to be better at that, but also allow people to feel and experience and move into their etheric or astral bodies too. You know, because once you have that experience, man, like mm -hmm. then, you know, right. There's no doubt. Well, I know we talked about this a bit on your, the last time you were here, but maybe you could tell us some of the most profound astral experiences you've had. Maybe if you had some since we spoke and how far have you, have you gotten out there? Well, as far as far, uh, I haven't gotten very far, but I like to stay local for some reason. I think it's cool to be a ghost, right? Like, <laughs> I think it's cool to see the real world, right? Cause there's two places. There's. There's actually, and they talk about this in the Golden Dawn too, there's two places in the astral realm. There's the mundane local area, and Robert Monroe called that locale one. The magicians, they just called it the mundane astral, which is where we are here. And then there is um, the illusory place. So we think this place is the heavens and all this cool stuff, but the truth is, is this realm is full of all of our egregores, illusions, beliefs, thoughts, everything so imagine everybody's mind that's ever existed and had emotions or th or thoughts about everything exists in this one place okay so it's pretty crazy right that's a pretty crazy place to go so you're gonna you're gonna see all kinds of crazy stuff so, so you'd actually me, see like a manifestation of someone's negative energy or thoughts yeah, into some kind of yeah. entity right yeah or slender man or what they call tulpas or you know, uh, elementals of all kinds, good and bad, you know, then there's, then the place is full of like this crazy sexual energy too. That's very, and this very, is, this like, is, these are all places that are beyond the, what they'd call the mundane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right on. Yeah. So as soon as you start leaving the mundane, you're going to, there's these like barriers of all this stuff. Right. And so the spiritual work back then was to get into your solar body, your diamond body, your Merkaba, whatever you want to call it. But in order to do that, we have to pass the lunar and astral realms of illusion. Okay. So uh, there's like the real universe in our solar bodies and those heavens. Then there's this massive astral universe full of illusions. And then there's us down here in Malkuth in the physical dense world. You see? So when we like, uh, when we astrally project, we've, 
we can stay here in the physical dense world and these bodies that look just like ours fly around, do whatever, which I think is pretty awesome. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. And then we can go forward, but this is where magic is cool, right? Because the magicians train themselves to, to move through these things by tracing certain symbols and testing spirits. So anything that they would encounter, they could test. They could test every spirit, vision, tulpa, entity, whatever. You don't see that with like Monroe and the Astral Travelers, even though they go all kinds of places. So as far as where I've went, I kind of take this slower, man, because I see the bigger picture, you know, like there's people that just go, oh man, I had this experience. I saw this or whatever. And it's like, to me, you know, that place is the illusory place. So we need to be prepared. And, and you know, a lot of people say it's safe to astral travel or get out of body. Well, sure, it's safe to remote view and have visions and stuff. But when you get into the vibratory state and you actually peel yourself out of body, it's crazy, right? So yeah. it's so crazy. And the people that don't come back, they don't get to tell the stories about not coming back. The only people that come back are the people telling us it's safe. So the question is, is like how many people have passed away in their sleep? A lot, right? A lot. If you look at the numbers, there's a lot. Um, and so we have to prepare ourselves. And that's where the magic comes in. It, it prepares us to, to be able to, whatever, we've, whatever we encounter in this place, we can handle, you know. So you're saying that there's possibilities that people who have practiced this, they just enter an astral state and then die, never come back, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm not saying that it's kind of like getting shark bit. It happens. I know it happens. There's a podcast called, I think it's called like uh, Stuff You Should Know About or something like that. And I heard about this guy. He told his friends, and I'm sure you can look this up, but he told his friends he was going to go astral travel. And he went into his room and he said, don't bother me. I'm going to go in here and meditate and I'm going to do this. Well, it, it was a couple of days and his buddies said, well, we got to go check on him. They went in there to check on him and he was in some weird kind of like holding his hands a certain way in this enlightened state, but he was dead. He was gone. Oh. Right. Wow. So we don't, we don't get to hear that guy. So the theory is, is he left his body, but couldn't find his way back. And we don't get to hear that guy. Um, tell his story about why it's not safe right right so now it makes me think of far. um guests like that i've had like dr bruce goldberg i'm sure you've had him as well um mm -hmm. i believe he says that there's really no danger in this but i always kind of thought the opposite that there could be that there would be a way that you couldn't find you know a way back to your physical body um i've never done any type of astral travel i've only maybe barely entered the vibratory state even though i've had other strange paranormal experiences and contact experiences nothing that i would call astral travel so i don't know what you know the yeah. the kind of feeling is and and how dangerous it is once you get out there uh but say from your experience um what is it like once you actually exit your body is there like this kind of fear that you know you know that there's a chance you won't come back no because the feeling of the feeling of being oh it's like it's like you know when you're dreaming right and you want to wake up and it's hard and you're trying to wake up i don't know if you've ever been in that state oh like, yeah oh, i don't want to wake up okay well this is the opposite this is this is so vivid that you don't you can't tell the difference between your real life and the astral the astral world 
So if you do the peeling uh, where you peel yourself out of body, the first thing that's going to happen is if you're afraid of sleep paralysis, you're going to have a problem because we want to, we want our bodies to get paralyzed. And once our bodies get paralyzed and we're still awake, then our bodies will start humming or vibrating depending on the person. Sometimes it crackles. It just depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep doing the breathing that we teach in magic, right? We have to keep doing the rhythmic breathing and allow that to settle. And once that settles, you kind of just, you have to learn how to slowly like peel yourself out with inertia, right? And it's like, it's like surfing or riding a bike or something. You, there's a feeling that, you know, you're in that frequency, you know? Yeah. So I when think you the... pull your, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, when you pull yourself out, you're not going to feel it's, you're not going to know the difference between real life and the local astral. It's not going to, you're not going to know. Right. Until you see yourself sleeping, you know, or something crazy, then you're, then, you know. And that, that, I think you said the key word is feeling. You have to kind of shut off your brain completely. I know just from my meditative state that I, that I that I use and that I've had contact experiences through. I have there's no way that I can rely on my normal uh, mental state, and I have to kind of shut that off right. and just go off of feeling and and mostly you know uh, feelings that start within our body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cause I did it, dude, when I tried this, I did this a million times. It felt like, and I never, it's like, I never got out of body because I was so, I don't know, so eager to get it done. But the more we relax, the more we don't give into what Terrence McKenna calls like mesmeration and awe. And the more we just stay in that zone of take it or leave it, we're just relaxed. The more we stay in that zone, the more we become the observer instead of trying to make things happen the more it happens it's really uh crazy and so when you have a local out-of-body experience a lot of the people that say well yeah i've astral traveled well a lot of times they're talking about like lucid dreams or remote viewing or or something like that they're not talking about the local out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. when you have that you're going to know the difference right? right so yeah that's what happens. It's you, you simply just relax and you can use hemisync or you can use, I have some guided meditations too, but you have to build up that ability to get into that state, you know? Yeah. Going back to what uh, I was saying about previous guests like Dr. Bruce Goldberg, I think he was talking about the very same thing you were mentioning, these different realms and dimensions i think he called it the fifth dimension uh that you know up to five dimensions that you could travel through these astral realms uh till you get to some kind of divine realm is this your understanding of it as well yeah that's yeah that's my understanding of it as well too but it's illusory too there's illusory realms in there right in a world where imagine going to um Imagine going to a world where everyone's spiritual faiths exist. So all things good, bad, thoughts, emotions, faiths, every idea that was a blueprint before it became a manifestation exists in this world, right? The real, what we're trying to do is get past that world Mm -hmm. to our solar bodies so that we can travel the stars and never die a second death. And the second death in scripture simply means we lose our consciousness. We come back, you know, we recycle, uh, we might have a few deja vus or past life memories, but we don't know who we are. Right. We have to pass this astral barrier 
and to get into our, you know, I guess if you want to think about it, the story of Christ, because that's what it represents or Horus or all that we have to get into that state of consciousness so that we never, that's the idea to never forget who we are and to become a little bit more human than we are. This is what we're here to do is grow our, our solar bodies out of the soil of our body. This is the biggest secret of alchemy. You know, a lot of people think it's uh, Jungian or spiritual or laboratorial, but there's a really big hermetic secret about our energetic bodies to actually physically change into something bigger than what we are, you know. Right on. Which uh, I don't know if we can do it in one lifetime. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Now, when we're talking about the the mundane realm, what are the some of the things that uh, can be accomplished, or what do you actually do whenever you're experiencing this? Well, like, the biggest things that you're going to encounter first is going to be awesome. You can you realize that you are the center of creation. So if you if you have an emotion about anything, it'll instantly manifest, right? And Monroe would run into these people too, where they would just like create all kinds there look what i'm creating and you'd get kind of stuck here the idea though is to do the magic that we've learned to create our astral bodies so that we can travel through these higher realms as we're in this place right so you're going to encounter as you progress and this is the theory right because i'm still working out you know, my elemental body trying to get through there. I don't, I really don't believe these people that are just shooting up to the, all these crazy higher realms. I'm, I'm not saying they're not having these experiences, but I still believe they're illusory astral experiences, right? Um, so w the real magic happens in the astral realm. So all this stuff that you see from Freemasonry and the Golden Dawn and all these people in their temples or whatever is really an exoteric practicing place. Because once you get into the astral realm, that's where you do the real magic. So when you get in the astral realm, say if you trace a Hebrew letter or an Egyptian symbol, or let's say you're in the astral realm and you trace an astrological symbol because you're trying to test an entity, you can actually see it, right? When we trace it here, say when we do our rituals and we visualize the, the pentagrams or the cross or whatever we're doing, it exists in the astral realm. In order for us to actually see it, we have to be in the astral realm. And then the, the more you get better at this stuff, then you can actually start seeing things kind of piercing through the veil. You know, and Blavatsky talked about this and stuff too, because it's all around us. So when we, the, what they say is the real work is to be done in the astral realm, right? This is where we make our biggest leaps of spiritual uh, elevation, you know. It's not right. down here praying and meditating our bodies, it, even though that's part of it. When we separate and get in that realm, that's where we make leaps and bounds. You know, we face our fears. We face all kinds of things. We face temptations. Um, and these could come in the forms of like symbols or experiences or even hauntings, you know, things like that. So, yeah. You know, when you were talking about that, uh, you could encounter egregores and, and people's thought forms. How would these interactions be? Is this like they would interact with you like they were their own separate consciousness? Is there any danger to interacting with this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the danger because like when you get to that point, you can easily go back to your body. You can just simply think, go back to my body and I'll go back to my body. Right. Um, but. I always I always 
it's it's kind of like a fight, right? Say you get into a fight with a little, you're bigger than a little bitty dude or whatever. You never underestimate anything. So I don't like to focus on the fact that there, it might be dangerous, but I always give it the, you know, benefit that it could be right. So it's, an, it's important to protect ourselves. I haven't found the craziest experience I had. I told you about a long time ago is when I was trying to get out of body one time and these blobby looking figures just shoved me back in my body. Right. And, um, I was doing some really heavy magic work then. And as I was coming out of my body, I told whatever was trying to hold me back. I said, I demand you to release me by light and life, which my voice sounded like James Earl Jones when I said it. And I don't know where it came from, dude. It was like weird. Right. And as soon as I said that, these things just, you know, shoved me back in my body. So I don't, I think the more you give into the fear, the more dangerous it can be. Right. So the, the fear is the barrier, if that makes any sense. Right. Now, since you started working with magic and things like astral travel, how has your view on the nature of the true nature of our reality changed and what this is that we're experiencing and why we're here? And is this some type of uh, simulation for our spiritual growth? You know, what do you think the whole purpose of our manifestation here is? Um, I couldn't tell you, but I have a theory that the whole purpose of our manifestation is for whatever created us, whatever it is, to experience itself experientially not conceptually so uh if you're let's say if you're everything if you're alpha and omega and you're all things and everything it's gonna gonna be pretty boring imagine that there's nothing to relate to you don't know love you don't know hate you don't know fat skinny you don't know nothing there's no relation right all you know is you're everything that's a good theory right that it broke itself down into this amnesiac form and made it and we're all just small parts of it right if you look at things practically and what you know even esoterically that would make a lot of sense so our idea is to grow back to that place and as we grow back to that place we start realizing uh, the uh, I guess you could say the beauty of the sacrifice of it all so in revelations, uh, they talk about holy as the lamb and only the lion of the tribe of Judah and all this stuff. And the land will flatten out and every eye is going to see God. And they really talk about how holy the sacrifice is. But it's, you know, we, we have this idea that the, the, the story is about Jesus or Horus or whatever. The story is about you. The story is about God sacrificing himself into you so that it can grow back and realize its own magnificence experientially, not conceptually. So it's kind of like when Rocky is working in the damn meat plant or whatever, but he gets a break here and a break there. And experientially he starts realizing himself that he's a champion, that he's divine, you know? So you have to be cast down kind of to be the farthest away from this and work your way back up. And most people are going to say, except the Buddhist, right? Most people are going to say, well, that's terrible. And that's 
stupid. Like, why do that? Why suffer? Why all this other stuff? But I promise you, when we get to that point, whether it's lifetime or whatever, I really think we're going to be glad that we did it. It's going to be divine, the experience itself. You know, yeah. um, I think that's what's happening. And for what reason? I can only theorize. Like, I hope it's not just because whatever this thing was was bored, you know? <laughs> but I think there's something to be said about the laws of everything. This is why I'm into hermetics, right? You know, how do you, you wouldn't send a, a, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you wouldn't send a deviant to watch over a bunch of kids at a preschool. Right. So maybe we're being trained to watch over, you know, certain things that are bigger than what's on this planet. And until we conceptualize those things, those things, we're not going to leave. Um, and they're bigger spiritual principles. So anytime you learn a bigger spiritual principle, um, you're you're more wise about something it's hard to explain it's like you could govern a group of people whether there's crazy people bad good or whatever like you see the whole thing you govern it you know what to do you've had the experience but right now we're just humans taking care of animals and our children you see so i i think it's like a mixture of both but obviously i don't know but intuitively i feel like it's the walk back to wherever we were cast from and also to grow so that we can govern more things kind of like what the Mormons believe. Maybe I know they believe like, uh, people govern planets and solar systems and things like that. But, um, sorry, I had a ton of coffee. I'm rambling, dude. <laughs> oh, but no, I think that's, that's right. I think that's what we're doing. I think that's what we're here doing, man. Like, mm. um, it's like a, tra it's a training ground, but it's also a growing ground too. You know, what do you think people's, if, experiences like abductions contact alien experiences uh things that are unexplained but seemingly very physical that point to uh, a very different type of reality that we're in uh have guests recently that had profound uh experiences where they're very physical he's uh he's been taken places he's been uh given medical procedures um and he'll have very very distinct memories of what happened and very distinct conversations with these entities about the nature of reality and them telling him that basically we are some sort of uh, experiment for these other higher dimensional entities and it's not necessarily this type of spiritual um, growth experience that we were just speaking of. What do you think about those? Um, I think there could be some truth to that, but I would ask this, like if we're an experiment, then why do we have the abilities to, why do we have these abilities? Cause I know for a fact we have these abilities cause I've done them. Right. So, I mean, in a way, maybe it is like a Prometheus kind of story. Maybe we are uh, seated and to grow into whatever these, these things are. I don't, I don't see us not, as an experiment but like what i was just talking about would be kind of an experiment wouldn't it like to see you know uh how we grow back to where we came from consciously because a lot of these beings that people talk about also seem to come out of nowhere right or they disappear or whatever so they have these abilities if they exist to get into their astral or uh 
I guess you would say, uh, forms that we're calling astral or out of body. They have the ability to go in between dimensions and stuff. And if we're just learning this as humans, and we definitely are because I've had the experience, right? Then who's to say we're not, man? Who's to say it's not all of it? Like it's not an experiment. Maybe God is a, uh, uh, a race of beings that wanted to see what we were going to become, you know? Right. Like, I, I don't know, right? But I do know this, that we're becoming something, right? Or I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know? So, but then there's the love factor too, which I don't think you, you can't throw that out, right? Because if you've done magic, you know the power of not, and I'm not talking about just the sexual forces. Magic will manifest on a much higher and more intense level if there's actually love there. And for the people that have experienced that, it's awesome, right? It's really awesome. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a mixture of both. Maybe right. there's all kinds of beings out there. Maybe all of us here on the earth aren't exactly the same. Maybe some of us are beings from other places and some of us are other kinds of beings, you know, that maybe that's why some people can get out of body and others just can't. I, man, I don't know, you know. Well, what is your understanding of, of, of an angel? You mentioned that some of the magical practices you, you do works with angels. Right. Well, uh, I think for the most part, angels are um, egregoric like aspects of God, right? So just like in the Egyptian days when they would, you know, vibrate certain names of God, these were, these were just aspects of the one God. Uh, it wasn't a separate God, but at the same time, it gets really complicated. All right. Because we're polar minded first. Let me say that. So we either believe that it's imaginative and fake or it's real. That's how our minds kind of work. But I think what we need to understand is how the logos and the universe works is that we're living in a real story that was imagined. So if that, is the truth let's say that's the truth then it's both right so the words that created these angels these vibrations might be um imaginatory maybe they don't have wings maybe they don't have halos right you know but it doesn't mean they're not real so if you go back to, i know this is i hate talking about this sometimes because it confused people but if you go back to um uh, Dr. Stylianos the Teshlis, he talks about the first appearances of Raphael and Mikael where with uh, Akhenaten. When Akhenaten was the first Egyptian god to realize that there was only one source and they were doing these meditations and, and ceremonial meditations in the temple and a violet light and a red light came out of the sun and they named these two people. They said their names were Raphael and Mikael, right? And these were just kind of like energies, but these were beings that represented those energies. Um, I don't know if we created them. I don't know if they're just massively egregorical, powerful energies because we've been talking about them since the beginning of mankind, mm -hmm. or if they're real, or if it's both. You know, um, I think we have to understand the power of not just to us, but like the logos. So consciousness as a whole, we don't know where, where it is and where it comes from. But what we do know is when we express it, 
when we focus on it and when we think about it, it exists somewhere. And then the more people that think about it and focus on it and believe in it, it becomes an egregorical energy. It becomes real in this place. I, I'm saying I know for a fact that angels are there and they're very powerful. Do they really exist like above that? Whatever ultimate reality is, I don't know. I'm just right. going to be honest with you. I don't know. But they do protect us, you know. Hey, right on. I, I happen to have very similar beliefs uh, about angels, and I've had uh, experiences that, I, from my understanding, could be angelic encounters. Uh, you know, I have very open mind, and my understanding could change tomorrow by about it, but uh, that's a completely different story. I want to get into um, the different types of magics and their practical applications. One of them that I've never really discussed on the show, but I'm very interested into the aspects of it and how it how it works really is sex magic do, do you know much about this sure yeah yeah so the sexuality if it goes back to the law of gender it's the most one of the most sacred secrets of magic to begin with because it's my belief that we we actually live inside a massive orgasm that's what this whole thing is right and when you look in nature you know, like Manly P. Hall talks about, you can study this in nature. Anytime the masculine and feminine come together or the masculine, masculine and feminine come together, it creates, it creates physical reality. It's the most creative force. There is masculine and feminine coming together. It's actually the Holy hexagram represents that fire and water, masculine, feminine coming together, creating the seed, right? So we've done Mike, we've, understood this microcosmically just like we understand a lot of things you know say for example let's say that we understand that in the universe uh everything is light and darkness light darkness on off binary on off and that's what creates or that's what creates we've created that microcosmically here on the earth by fiber optic cables ones and zeros right so it it transfers light and information on a smaller level. Sex magic is the same thing. There is these massive masculine and feminine forces in the universe that come together and create all kinds of things. Masculine being the driven force. And if you study the Kabbalah, you'll understand this a little bit better. And the feminine being the receptive force that once it takes in this energy, it uses it and creates, uh, you know, let's just say the garden or whatever it creates. So there's always the taking into the egg and forming what needs to be formed in the universe. It happens. You can see it in nature and everything. We've on a microcosmic level, if we just have sex with somebody and at the point of orgasm, those two people focus on, let's say, whatever they want to create. Sure, it's going to create that. It might be a little skewed, just <laughs> like data can get a little skewed across the Internet, right? Because we don't actually understand the cosmic truth about it yet but what i will say for people that are practicing sex magic I, I would ask you to do this try it both ways do it just for the orgasm and see what you manifest and then do it with someone you actually really love and i'm talking about the kind of love uh, like maybe your partner someone that you would die for that kind of mm -hmm. thing right then you two focus on something in the name of love to not just, I want a thousand dollars, focus on something that has more to do with love. Then see how that manifests. 
And then you'll see the difference, right? You'll see the microcosmic kind of whatever experimental thing that we do. And then you'll see what I think is the higher principle of love is of love. And this is, goes back to the holy, like the scriptures and the garden of Eden and marriage and all this stuff is where these priests that understood these secrets were trying to force us uh, to be a certain way that was sacred. And it backfired on them like it always does. Right. Because I believe most of us naturally are looking for that other half. Right. We always are. We're always looking for that other half. Uh, I can't, I can't speak for polyamorous people, but I know, you know what I'm saying? I think it's natural that way. Right. Right. And I think as, as long as love's involved, things will manifest in a much bigger way for the good of everybody and the situation, you know, so. So based on always, your intent behind sexual acts and it doesn't, does it necessarily have to be with another person? Can it, you know, be masturbation? Well, here's the trick with that. Uh -huh. And this is going to sound really weird. Okay. So for dudes, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to do this stuff, man. We got it down to like, you know, we got it down to a science, right? It's like, it's like, so I don't want ladies to get insecure. You'll never be as good as our right hand. I promise you. So, you know what I mean? Like right. you can't, yeah. But, but, um, I would say this, like, if you're going to do it with yourself, which is fine, I think it's fine. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Like, I don't care what you think. I think it's fine. Like, but don't be afraid to understand what I'm talking about when it comes to masculine and feminine. Like if you're a dude, that's always a really alpha dude, whatever, you know, and you go try to, you know, really do your thing, right. <laughs> and try <laughs> to manifest something. If you're too afraid to be vulnerable and be a little feminine with yourself. In other words, take care of yourself a little bit, right? If you're too afraid to do that, it's probably not going to manifest the way you want it. You know, it might. Right. So say, well, I need two grand and, you know, you just do your thing or whatever. And, you know, someone like gets hit by a car and you get two grand because there's insurance or something like, oh, I'm just telling people like when you play with this stuff, it, I don't think it's meant to be played with. And if you're right. going to do it, right. like make sure you have loving intent in your heart. And if you're going to do it with yourself, learn how to love yourself. Because if it's all, in my opinion, if it's all about that orgasm, that just jerk, you know, like animals do, which we're above animals, I don't think it's going to manifest the way you want. Mm. That's just my opinion, though. Right. Well, let's talk about intent behind magic. I know it's 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 definitely a hundred percent a tool. Uh, your intent dictates whether it'll be used for for good or bad. Uh, I feel embarrassed. For, I just said all that crap. Oh no, man, that's that's great uh, <laughs> because I'm taking it back to sex magic. How can this uh, th this particular thing, sex magic, be used in a negative way? Oh well, I mean. All you got just read a little Crowley. You can see in a in, in a negative way. Like people have this idea of sex is never negative because it mm. feels so good, right? Well, so does heroin. You know, you take a heroin needle and you jab it in your arm. It's going to feel good. Does that mean it's divine? Does that mean it's magical? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, man, that was weird. System crash. They didn't like what we were talking about. We were discussing. Uh, if sex magic can be used for nefarious purposes, which I imagine it could just because it's a tool like anything else, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
the biggest holes that happen in our soul aura, first and foremost, we need to understand this, like for the most part, the biggest heartaches and uh, holes that we put in our soul are from the beginnings of a sexual experiences, number one, right? So when people are sexually abused, that's dark. That's not necessarily dark magic, but it is dark magic. So um, when people are abused when they're younger, which happens all to people all the time. So there's abuse, there's rape, there's all kinds of stuff. There's infidelity, these kinds of things. The first time they happen to anybody are the most traumatic things in the world to a person psychologically, soulfully, and emotionally. And our ideas of sex as a whole come from those upbringings, right? So either we get numb to it or we get more sensitive to it or whatever. It's always been a sacred thing, always, right? So depending on what happens to us in our life is how we view it to begin with. And then you got the whole society thing, right? Um, how they view it or whatever. But the truth is there are people, there are lots of people out there that say, oh, well, so-and-so, you know, they did this or cheated on me or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't care. But the truth is, is deep down, it hurts them and they really do care. So number one, we got to understand before we look at the dark stuff, just how sacred this is to begin with, mm -hmm. you know, so a person is giving themselves in whole to you. Right. So that has to matter. Um, when it doesn't matter, that's dark magic period. When it doesn't matter. So, um, let's say, uh, you're just, you have two people that want to do just to have an orgasm to practice it and see if, well, if something's going to come of it. Mm -hmm. I would call that gray, you know, that's kind of grayish, but, uh, there are people in the world and this is a touchy subject that understand these things and have used, um, children. Uh, they've even talked women or women have talked men into doing things that they didn't want to do or have tricked them into these things or whatever to get to this power, this energy. So anytime you use it, in my opinion, for any other purposes than love, I think it's a bit dark, honestly. Mm. But then there's the whole idea of what is love. Like, I'm sure people are saying, well, what if I masturbate? Is that not love? You know, and it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of self-love. Maybe you need to take care of yourself. Maybe you need to stop being ashamed of wanting to feel love in your life you know right and you're absolutely right about the uh the dark aspects there are elite families that use this for multi-generational trauma traumatic purposes yeah, exactly. to to keep uh to breed a certain level of psychopathy to where that this elite mentality stays in in this family but it's it's done through this i guess you could say these these sex magic rituals it's through uh abuse at a very early age right it's kind of like the same thing mm -hmm. yeah and uh, there's there's this is there's multi levels to this right the worst is the children in my opinion that's like the worst the abuse mm -hmm. the children but then there's, you know, there's other dark aspects. There's psychological uh, aspects. There's people that understand. There's dudes out there that understand, oh, all I got to do is sleep with this girl. And if she has an orgasm while I'm inside her, she's going to be attached to me. They know this because they know how they just know all, how the stuff works. To me, that's still dark magic, right? Hmm. My 
my thing is, if like, if a person is giving themselves over to you in that sense, guy or girl, if you don't treat it as a sacred thing, you know what I mean? To me, it's, it's right. kind of dark, you know? Well, we look at I'm what's just, happening on a mass scale with sexuality these days. Uh, we mm-hmm. have, you know, over-sexualized generations uh, because of what's been portrayed through Hollywood and media and pornography and all of this stuff. Imagine that effect it has uh, on a collective energetically. Um, I'm sure this oh, yeah. has changed society in many ways. Yeah, because of my – dude, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to what I believe. In my opinion – the whole reason why society is screwed up as a whole. And I've asked other hosts this too. I'm like, do you think let's just say sex did not exist. Do you think people would still care about money, power and all the stuff that they do now? Uh, They would a little bit, but not really. It wouldn't, it wouldn't near, it wouldn't be near. Yeah. It's a driving force, driving force of everything. Right. So to use, so when guys say, well, I want to make a bunch of money and get all big and powerful and all this stuff so they can have sex more or they can have more women, to me, that's a little dark, right? It's, just, it's a little dark. You need to, gen- my point is, I know it's woo-woo and I know I sound like a freaking old man, but you need to genuinely love someone in order to understand what I'm talking about, right? In order to understand how sacred this is and experiences, because there's a good side to this too. The good side is, is that when we start learning to understand um, the sacred sexuality of the universe and these forces, when we do give ourselves into love, there are experiences that we have yet to experience. Some of us have, are lucky enough to have experienced it. And I'm talking about in the realms of love, pleasure, and divine experiences, right? This it's supposed we're supposed to experience this and understand the sacredness of it mm. but instead we use it like a drug uh so just like when a person jabs themselves with heroin they're chasing that high all the time and now they're just trying not to get sick there's sex addictions that are that are the same way they're trying to get back to that first orgasm that they had or, or whatever that big orgasm then there's the bdsm culture then there's people mm-hmm. hitting each other and hanging from fans and putting stuff up you know whatever right and it's all like it gets really dark if you ask me and i know people are gonna you're closed-minded you don't understand no let me explain something to you i took a lot of time to understand this and i did experientially i've i'm not trying to brag but I've looked into all this stuff, you know, except for like abuse and all that nasty, crazy Uh bullshit to try to understand why people are doing these things. And it's all pain. It's all dark. It's all evil. And it's all people seeking love. You know, they're trying to find love and maybe this is the only way they can do it because somewhere along the line, they weren't loved. You understand right. what I'm saying? Like they weren't protected. They didn't feel safe. They didn't feel secure. They didn't feel like that person had their best interest. They're traumatized. Right. And this is where it all goes backwards and downhill. You know, I think this is actually also all linked to uh, 
a desired outcome that certain groups want for humanity. This certain alchemical transformation of what we are as humans, also tying into this transhuman agenda, changing what we are at our root uh, from our sexuality to our biology, and eventually yeah, integrating yeah. it with technology and you know this new age of uh, technocracy that they want us to enter. Do you see this kind of same correlation there? Yeah. Yeah, and I do because of the hermetic reasons of gender. I see, for I mean, if you look at a lot of females and a lot of guys, it's it's all backwards. So a lot of females that I've talked to, they have, you know, they're they've taken the role of the masculine, or they're they're out trying to do business, or they're more masculine than they should be, right? And then when you get to know them, or when they feel safe, they become feminine. So what they really want is a masculine figure to feel safe with, but they've had to take on this role of a more masculine figure to feel safe in themselves and survive, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing with dudes. We want to be masculine. We want to be like, this is what I want. I'm going to say it, go for it, tell you whatever, right? Which actually turns the feminine on, but we've been trained not to do, not to be that way, not mm. to tell a woman that she's attractive, not to say that you're beautiful and I want you and I desire you, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so all of this, uh, societal, I guess you could say where everybody gets offended about everything has confused, dude, it's confused a lot of people. Right. And a lot of, uh, people don't, we naturally care. Most people naturally care what other people think masculine energy, not so much. But the feminine energy does because they're nurturing energy and they want everybody to get along and be happy. So there's this egregoric energy of caring what society thinks all the time, you know, and that's the button that they push. Right. So they're bombarding us with, you know, gender confusion, sexual shows, just all kinds of crap, man, that has nothing to do with what's really sacred about the masculine and feminine together because the actual sacred sexuality the the natural parts of us is what grows us like divinely in my opinion so yeah there's there's a lot of weird and crazy stuff going on in this realm you know yeah man i think that there's been such an acceleration of these agendas that it's actually turned people off to it i think they're they're going too hard too fast and People aren't ready for some of the stuff that they've been throwing at them, and it's kind of backfiring. Uh, I see a lot of these things that a lot of us, you know, conspiracy theorists and people were, were scared of happening might not come to fruition just because of the mistakes that have been made on the parts of, of those powers and control, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, They and they do whatever they want with it. They can do... They can do whatever they want with it. And the t there's TV show, even the TV shows, there's one the other day where this, I forget the name of the guy, but I saw the, the thing where he made the web, he made the websites of all these people's naked pictures and stuff. And, you know, talking about, oh, your mom's a slut or this kindergarten teacher's this or whatever, and, and made this website and started putting it on the internet. And everybody thought he's a God. And now the girls, there's even girls that want to get with him because he's popular, but he's really, what really happened was, to this guy, I guarantee it. What really happened was either his mother damaged him sexually, like he saw something he shouldn't have when he was, wasn't ready for it, or he got his heart broken massively by someone he really loved and he became sociopathic to deal with the pain and use these ideas of sex and how messed up humans are and exposed all of them. So 
so he could feel better, right? This is how evil this stuff gets, man, because we don't acknowledge the pain of how someone hurt us. We just think it's normal. You even tell our kids this, oh, it's normal. You know, your first love or whatever, like you'll find another one. And yeah, you will. But we don't, we don't really get to tell them like, hey, I understand you gave yourself. This was the first person that you were vulnerable to, right? This was the first person you opened up to and you gave your heart in full to. And now you may never do that again. And our whole lives, we're dealing with this pain until we get old enough. And then we're like, oh, you know, fuck it, right? Like, I'll, I'll just do it because I'm tired of, like, protecting myself. And it's sad because we're missing out on the, the most divine experiences of life because we're not taught to deal with our pain. Society's teaching us to deal with uh, sexuality in an entirely unmagical, undivine, unloving way. You know? Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I have I have hope because of the amount of people that I see that are on the free-thinking right side of history and not a part of this whole woke culture. There's more and more every day, so uh, I think we do have a chance to turn things around. I do, too. Um, you know, it, it, it's we're in critical times right now, either way. But I want to bring this back to the astral conversation and combine it mm-hmm. with a little sex talk. Astral sex. Sure. Uh, is this possible? Is this anything you've experienced, heard about, or uh, and is it something that uh, could affect our reality? Yeah, definitely. And it's understood on a different level in the astral realm, right? So, um, you know when you get into the astral travel and when you get into these realms, there's a level in there somewhere where the sexual energy is really intense and you have to either come in contact and have sex with somebody. And it's, it's not like you're physically having sex with them, but what'll happen is, is these feminine forms will start coming around you. If you're a guy and there, you don't have to like talk them into it. They just want to merge with your energy. And it's either to pass or whatever, or to get through that new realm or to, to like relieve something, right? It's weird in the astral realm. It's weird. You know, it's like, okay, well that felt electrifyingly good, but it's not like you, it's not like you soiled yourself while you were sleeping neither. Right. So it's, it's different and it's understood different in the astral realm too. Like there's, it, it almost feels like they understand the love part that I'm talking about. Mm. Right. But then there's. I don't know, man. There's some vampiric stuff in there too. There's, there's both, right? Um, but it's, it's just done on a more. I don't know, man. I don't even know how to explain it. It'd be like two, two opposites coming together and just feeling that electricity and then moving on, right? right. Um, that's you can pass it like Monroe teaches about. You know, okay, I'll do this. I'll come back and do it later, and then that energy will leave you alone, and you can push through it, but here's the cool part uh what people in the golden dawn understood and what a lot of the rosicrucians and alchemists understood and you'll notice some of these people have life partners that are doing this stuff with them so they're practicing sacred sexuality together with their partner throughout life throughout their whole lifetimes and the astral side of it too so what i'm saying is is I want you to imagine this. If you just changed your idea of this and you said, okay, like I want to manifest the partner 
in my life that I can experience all of this stuff with, then you will. But if you stay with the ideas of uh, society's version of sex, you're probably not going to get too much further past the animalistic side of it, right? Right. So when you get into the divine part and you got a partner and you're both doing these uh, alchemical techniques together, which is basically tantra, but there's different forms of it. And then you're both also trying to get out of body. And then you both can see and feel each other out of body. Now you're getting into the real realms of divine creation, right? The two in one mystery is like, you see this all in all scriptures. So what are they talking about? Are they talking mm -hmm. about male and female or are they, they're talking about those two energies coming together in all forms, man, in all right. forms. Right. So I when you find your life partner, you know, and they are spiritual like you, mm. man, you guys have a better chance to experience things. Most people will never get to if you just understand these principles. You know, I think this is that's exactly why things like the institution of marriage have been corrupted. The ideas of uh, romance through Hollywood, all these things have have just destroyed what real relationships could be and the powers behind true love and the powers of sex combined with these, you know, these mutual desires and things that have been suppressed by people's ideas of what society should be. So uh, you're absolutely spot on. And I think that those in control know the power that could possibly come through from these from two people uniting in such a way so they're going to keep anything from uh, that happening on a large scale yeah and both exactly man in both the feminine and the masculine inside of you and inside of everybody wants to experience a higher love they you they do they want to experience a higher love experientially physically emotionally spiritually all of that stuff we read books about it. We watch stories about it. We cry. We want it so bad. And the truth of the matter is, is that we naturally do this. We are naturally this way. We do it easily. But the yeah. programs outside of us have made us like so insecure about it or so screwed up. Yeah, they've made they've us made mentally it. ill about uh, yeah. true love yeah. and relationships. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I know some of the, you know, this some cool people are like, I'm never having sex with anybody or da, 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 because they're so damaged and messed up from it. And, the, and you're and you just say, well, why? Well, it's just sex and it's not that important. And it's like, you can see, like, you can see the pain that it's happened to them. They've just given up. Right. And the truth is, is they probably cry themselves to sleep. They cry in the shower. Sometimes they feel lonely. They don't feel the union or the love that they should feel in their life. But we're taught because of TV and media and all this other stuff uh, that the majority of people are just going to hurt you anyways. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that's not true. That's what's on television. That's what's on the media. That's what's on. That's what's on everything. And then even then we're turning the people that don't want to be that way into these people that are just protecting themselves so much that they're going to hurt people too. Right? So it's a big psychological evil messed up thing. When if we just shut everything off and went back to nature, dude, we, it would be like we would be happy. You know what right. I mean? We would do this easily.
you know. Yeah, man. I see a, a collapse of old systems, and I also see a, a greater thing is people starting new systems, people starting their own sustainable communities, farms, their own entertainment podcast shows. It's like, you know, yeah. we're kind of getting ready for the collapse of these old, unsustainable systems and, some, and something greater in the future. And, I, you know, you can feel it. You can feel it's like right on the cusp. We're almost there to where this, you know, this system can't keep going the way it is so uh, right. it's, it is a good thing that i see happening well you know another thing too that i was gonna tell you is i told you like these ceremonies that i that i do were boring so i made these guided meditations and path workings at uh, joeroop.com mm -hmm. but what i what i learned from these and william buhlman and and uh robert monroe and all this stuff is that when we get back into our natural framework which we're naturally ritualistic beings in other words, when we learn how to breathe rhythmically, when we learn how to use our powers of visualization, all of this stuff, uh, it's really crazy. Our ideas of natural love and the stuff that we push down will come out and we'll go, wait a minute, like I'm naturally loving, I'm naturally masculine or feminine, I'm naturally this way. I don't care what society thinks. Like I don't care what the TV says. This is what my heart desires. And then we keep ritualistically is circumambulate naturally right and we come into this authentic self which is who we were when we came here you have to realize when you came here as a baby you were perfect you were fine everything was fine about you and you could be and have and manifest anything you want it's when you turned your focus outwards into society to tell you who and what you are and how things are and all this other stuff is when things started getting fucked up that's when things started getting messed up, yes. right? So we have to come back to that that natural self, you know. I love it, man, and I love what you're doing. Uh, for the last few minutes, we have tell the audience a little bit more about it, how they can get involved, uh, and you know, where's the easiest way that they can find it? Yeah, so I do a radio show five nights a week. I've always done that. Like, um, I've been doing more replays lately, but uh, lightingthevoid.com is the radio show. Fringe.fm is the radio station where you have a bunch of people working on that. So we're trying to build a free speech platform it's for, and keep it more radio and audio. You know, I love radio. So Fringe.fm is that, right? Lighting the Void is my radio show. And JoeRoop.com is where my member section is and the, the magic and astral meditations and all that stuff are there. That's J-O-E, JoeRoop.com. Right. Oh, so if people are, websites. if they're interested in, in, in starting, maybe in starting a, a meditation and things like that, what could they expect whenever they, they sign up? Well, if you go there and you, and you sign up, the best thing to do is get the fundamentals and relaxation first, right? And start practicing those things. So when you learn how to relax, we all think we know how to relax, but we don't really, I mean, for the most part, we don't, um, and then once you learn how to do that, you do the balanced breath, and then you start learning about uh, the power of visualization and what I, what I call the magical eye, right? Um, which I think we've lost that as well. And then you get into the ritual and the astral work and stuff like that. Of course, you can get the like the star and the pentagram and learn all about that. And by the time you're done with it, you're going to know everything about the, the cross and the pentagram. And you're going to have experienced it. But I think it's really important that you learn how to relax and focus, breathe and visualize first before you do this stuff, you know. So, yeah, it's a lot of basic stuff, but it gets fun, man. It gets cool as you keep going through it. 
I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on Late Notice. This was fantastic, and we're yeah. definitely going to have to talk again in the future for sure. Yeah, I'll have you on my show. I'll bring you back over and have you have you on so you can tell your your story. Like Let's last do time it, you man. told me the story about the frogs. That oh was yeah, cool. I've had some other experiences since then. Some uh, some stranger, even stranger ones. So let's do it for yeah. sure. All right, awesome, man. Well, until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening, and we'll be talking again tomorrow. See y'all then. You're now listening to Ride to War by Draugablik.